And for Off the Block, I am the editor of Off the Block, Vinny Lopes, and we are so glad that everyone is tuning in here for the maiden voyage into podcasting for Off the Block. And what better topic for us to be discussing than bracketology? You know, this is one of the things that I absolutely love trying to look at the data and see what teams should be making the NCAA tournament. And with us being a week away from Selection Sunday, we thought it'd be really fascinating to do an NCAA tournament Selection Sunday simulation where we would put ourselves into the exact same situation that the committee members are in. We decide to look at all the data and field and fill out the bracket and field the team. What seven teams would be making the NCAA tournament? So for this, the committee has three people, so we decided to get three people. I I participate in this along with Jonathan Bates. A lot of people will know him as MPS Bias, the associate editor of Off the Block. And then we called in one of the best volleyball journalists of all time, Cindy Lewis of the Honolulu Star Advertiser. So we hope that everyone is going to be able to enjoy this simulation. And once again, you can continue to follow us at offtheblogblog.com for all your men's volleyball coverage. Once again, hope everyone enjoys hearing this simulation of the NCAA tournament selection. And we are now here to do the NCAA tournament simulation opportunity for us to try to get in the mindset of the NCAA tournament selection committee and try to determine the NCAA team. So let's uh, first start off and let's uh, kind of meet the panel on who we have here. So once again, my name is Vinny Lopes. I'm going to be kind of representing the Midwest. And we have two other members that are going to be representing members of this board. We have Jonathan Bates, who joins us. He's going to be the East Coast representative. Jonathan has been a reporter for Off the Block for the last five years covering men's volleyball. And then also representing us today, who's going to represent the East Coast, is going to be the gold standard of volleyball reporting, Cindy Lewis. <laughs> so from so, uh, thank you both for joining us today. Hopefully this should be fun. <laughs> It'll be fun. So if you want a little bit of my bio, uh, Vinny, I've um, been covering uh, volleyball in Hawaii since 1981. So 1982 with the men's volleyball team. Yeah. So like I said, and, and you, without a doubt, I, I always say this, uh, you are the gold standard that every other volleyball reporter tra- tries to live up to, and you make us all look bad. So thanks for that. Uh, uh, don't say that, but okay. No, no. Well, all right. Well, I'll tell you what, let's go get started here. So what we're going to do, we're going to take you through the simulation. So we're going to basically treat this just like we would if the three committee chairs for the NCAA tournament committee were on the phone. So we're going to go through the process as they would typically go through the process. Now, for this scenario, we're recording it on Thursday. We're going to go under the assumption that every team that's currently in first place in their conference, they're going to get the at-large bid. So we're going to play that that assumption. And then for the Big West, because there's a tie, we're going to say Hawaii winds up winning it. So that's the at-large teams. Once again, there's seven teams in the NCAA tournament field. So five are determined. we got to figure out the other two. So before we get delve into that, though, I think it's important that what always starts out on these committee meetings is we kind of do a regional report where each region rep kind of talks about what happened in their region to fill in the other committee members. So um, kind of serving as the chair of this, I guess we'll start with the Midwest for me. So for the Midwest, Lewis had an absolutely fantastic season. They were the MIVA regular season champions. Once again, under the simulation, we're going to say that they win the 
the MIBA tournament. So they are going to get the at-large bid. You know, Coach Dan Friend did a really good job. Matt Yoshimoto was the MIBA Player of the Year. Had some not many super impressive non-conference wins. You know, they had some opportunities to maybe beat a UCLA or UC Irvine, but weren't able to do it at home. Had a nice road win against CSUN, but when conference play came in, they wound up looking pretty good. Really impressive performance. So in the Midwest, Lewis is going to be the representative, and you know maybe a couple other teams as well that stood out. Um, Loyola had a pretty good season as well, top ten in the RPI, and those are really the cream of the cream. I, I can't really think of any other teams that would warrant consideration and discussion for the NCAA tournament bid possibly. So let's now, um, Jonathan, do you want to kind of give us a breakdown of what happened in, in the East Coast this year? So we're talking about uh, the teams that are in the, the the independent teams. We're talking about the EIVA teams and the Conference Carolina teams. So let's start, start with Conference Carolina's uh, two teams that uh, tied for number uh, one in the Conference Carolina Final regular season standings were Barton and King, uh, both at 14 and 2 in conference. Uh, Barton avenged uh, uh, their um, their uh, loss last year in the conference tournament and won the uh, Conference Carolinas, and uh, will get the Conference Carolina automatic uh, bid to the NCAA tournament. Um, Barton non-conference schedule is uh, highlighted by two wins over MPSF teams, including USC and, and uh, Grand Canyon on neutral sites. And then uh, for Princeton, they won the uh, regular season and the uh, EIVA conference tournament. Um, they had, they were 13 and one in conference and uh, did most of their damage in conference play, not really outside of conference play. All right. And then were, are there any independent teams worth noting, Jonathan? Uh, no, nobody that would really be considered under uh, consideration. Uh, Lincoln Memorial had, had, uh, was 16 and 7 in uh, the regular season and won the uh, IVA tournament, but we're not considering them for an at-large at this time. Right. And the IVA obviously only has four teams, so they're not eligible for an at-large bid. So with that being said, Cindy, I think uh, the, the West Coast was uh, shining this year, it, it looked like. So what, what happened in the MPSF and Big West? Well, it's been interesting in the uh, – let's, let's discuss the MPSF first. I mean, you have um, – you're very surprised at BYU, which was uh, – kind of like the team that everyone really liked, but uh, kind of faltered after Will Stanley went down. Um, I think Tepperdine, uh, to me, a little bit of a surprise that they have clinched the number one on that. Uh, interestingly, uh, last week when UCLA lost at USC, so that makes a, a, things a little um, tight going into their conference tournament. Tepperdine will host um, UCLA uh, hosts Grand Canyon in the quarters. Um, I think SC is a team on the rise. Um, they've got some really good quality wins uh, late. Uh, we saw them, the Trojans, out here in Hawaii. Early in the season, everyone knew that they would be good. So um, I think it will be really interesting to see what happens at Firestone uh, for the MPSF tournament. Um, I like Pepperdine's chances. Um 
playing at home uh, for the, the the tournament there. And then the Big West, it seems to be that that's been where all the buzz has been about. Uh, the Big West is a very interesting uh, conference this year. I I feel, in my humble opinion, um, that the top three teams in the country are in the Big West. I believe it's Hawaii, Long Beach State, UC Santa Barbara. Um, Santa Barbara came in to the Santa Sheriff Center last week. Um, Hawaii was on a 74 consecutive Seth 1 streak. Uh, the Gauchos ended up ending that one in set three uh, on Saturday, which was senior night in the San Sheriff Center, a sold-out San Sheriff Center, which was 10,300 10, tickets issued, um, first sellout for Hawaii since 97. Uh, great atmosphere for men's volleyball. You should have been there. Um, I and they're uh, likely – they're looking at maybe 10-3 if Hawaii were to make it to the championship next Saturday. Um, it, it's all going to depend on what happens this week. They're at the beach uh, in the pyramid. Hawaii is. Um, they haven't won there since 2015. Um, we'll see what happens at the beach. Uh, you know, the 49ers fell – were swept by uh, USC – a couple weeks ago, uh, a game played in North Gym, which is not exactly the type of arena that uh, the 49ers are used to. I mean, if to me, if you were going to play um, in North Gym, you would have prepared a little better by playing in the gold mine. But I, uh, what my understanding is that Long Beach State didn't know they were playing in uh, in North Gym for, until a couple uh, days before. But, you know, nonetheless, um, we'll see what's going to happen. Um, I think uh, Hawaii, Long Beach State, they've been the top two teams the last three years in the um, one in MPSF and now in the Big West. And then they come back to Hawaii next week and anything could happen. All right, so that kind of takes us to the recap. So the next step after the recap happens, we kind of look at it, is we kind of look and discuss who are the teams that we want to put under consideration. So once again, we kind of hit on some of these. I'm just going to kind of recap for everyone, joint for everyone with us here. So we have Lewis, once again, they're, they're under consideration because they're in the tournament. They were going to say that they win the MIVA. Barton. We have them listed because we're going to say they win the Conference Carolinas. Princeton, we have them in because they say that they win the Conference or they win the EIVA. So now continuing down, and um, Cindy, correct me if I'm wrong, but looking at the teams that we want to consider under um, consideration. So we're going to say that um, Pepperdine, just for sake of argument, they're the projected champion, so they'll get the at-large bid, and we'll say Hawaii as well. So are you feeling that? Are you so obviously? I'm thinking Long Beach State also under consideration. Who are the other Big West teams that you would say definitely deserve to be under consideration for an at-large bid? I think UC Santa Barbara, and that'll yeah. be it. Okay, perfect. And then for the MPSF, you kind of look at it. We have Pepper. We have Princeton already, or excuse me, we have Pepperdine already listed. Who would you say in the MPSF should also get under consideration? I would say UCLA and SC. All right, UCLA and SC. Okay, perfect. So this kind of makes things interesting. So I'm going to talk or really quick before I do that, Jonathan, um, just to make sure that we didn't overlook anyone, anyone on the East Coast who should be under consideration that didn't get an, that didn't get an automatic bid. No. 
Okay, perfect. Nice, short, and sweet, Jonathan. So this is interesting because, you know, I would say for my region, looking at Loyola, you can make a case that they should be under consideration. But looking at the RPI, you have UC Irvine that's not under consideration, higher RPI. Stanford under consider Stanford's under consideration. They have a higher RPI. So for me, based off this, it's kind of hard for me to justify arguing that Loyola should be under consideration if UC Irvine and Stanford aren't under consideration. So I think if that sounds good with everyone, I think then we have our nine teams that are under consideration. Does that sound sound about good to everyone? Sounds yep. good. All right. So let's um, so let's talk this. So we now kind of enter the debate area where we start breaking down the criteria, talking about all the various components, who should get in, who should get in the scene. So let's um, kind of, we'll take a step back here and kind of lay down the ground rules for everyone. So half of this usually works is any committee member who has some type of deep affiliation with an institution, they have to recuse themselves for this conversation. So in this instance, we've all decided that the schools that we went to, we're going to recuse ourselves from. So. Uh, Cindy, you'll be recused from the discussion about UCLA. Jonathan, you'll be recused about USC. And then for whatever reason, if we want to talk about Ball State University, I'm recused. I'm, I'm not sure why if we want to talk about them, but we can. Uh, so, <laughs> so let's um, now kind of jump to it. So I guess my first question is, well, actually, before we do that, let's actually just kind of talk about the criteria. So once again, just to remind everyone, you know, there's set criteria. It's a lot of looking at the data, looking at the numbers. It's not who's the higher ranking in the coach's fault. That doesn't matter. It comes down to these criteria categories. We have the RBI rankings, strength of schedule, win-loss record, head-to-head -head competition, um, results versus non-conference opponent, home and away results, results against common opponents, and then results against teams already qualified or under consideration and then eligibility and availability of student athletes for the NCAA championship. So this is where injuries and stuff like that can come into play. So those are your kind of nine, 10 key criteria components that we want to talk about. So I guess the first question, let's, so before we start talking about seeding and everything, let's talk about the two teams who we think should get the at-large bid. So um, let's start off with Loyal, or let's start, not Loyal, excuse me, let's start off with uh, Long Beach State. Um, you know, you look at them, they're the number two in the RPI. They only have one loss. Um, would there be any objection to us saying they should be the first at large? No, no. objection. No. Okay, perfect. All right, so that that was the easy one, everyone. Now we get into the fun stuff. So we have three teams left now where we have to decide who's going to get that final at-large bid. So we have UC Santa Barbara, UCLA, and USC. So, um, Cindy, I know in person you've been able to see, I believe, two of these teams play, or I know you see Santa Barbara. What's your thoughts on, on these teams, just, you know, kind of what, what you've been able to see from them? Um, having seen Santa Barbara most recently, which was the last weekend, um, and having seen SC early, um, uh, you know, to be honest with you, SC has gotten better as, as the season has progressed. Um, they had a great win over UCLA a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, I know I'm supposed to be recused, but you know, UCLA has some injuries, and they have had this interesting um, offense right now where um, they've moved Michael Ma'a to outside hitter from setter, 
And so I think that's got to be in consideration if you're looking at um, teams that could go far in the tournament. Um, I like SC as an up-and-coming, rising team. Um, yeah, I, I, those are, that's my issue between SC and UCLA. Uh, to be honest with you, I would pick Santa Barbara over the two of them as a, okay. at largest. Yeah, right. okay. Santa Barbara and Santa Barbara just played lights out at Hawaii. Santa Barbara has uh, took uh, Long Beach to five at the pyramid, and uh, the night after in Goleta, they went thirty-one twenty. They went deuce thirty-one twenty-nine in two of the first two sets. I like Santa Barbara as an at-large. Right. So yeah, so let's review Santa Barbara here, um, kind of step back. So we have Santa Barbara. Some of the strengths for them, obviously, they have they are number four in the RPI, so that's a little bit higher than UCLA and USC. The other thing about them is their strength of schedule, number three. That's pretty better. You know, UCLA did a good job, and USC did a good job this season non-conference, but it's not at number three. So that's kind of what makes things interesting. The thing that really, though, with, with me, where I look at UC Santa Barbara's schedule that may be a deterrent and that I have a tough time justifying is when you start looking at what did they do against the teams under consideration, they were two and seven. So that kind of is, is a discussion point to have. So let's, um, before we have that discussion, though, let's actually just kind of do a broad recap. Let's talk about UCLA. So at this point, um, Cindy, we'll, we'll let you, you recuse yourself. So we'll swing on over to uh, we'll swing on over to Jonathan. You know, I know you've got an opportunity to see UCLA this season. What have you seen from them, and what are you seeing from the data and the numbers? From what I've seen, and as Cindy pointed out, uh, they, uh, because uh, Austin Maltatia being out for the season, they have moved uh, Michael Ma to outside hitter and to, uh, moved uh, Dean and uh, Gemma to opposite. They are not the same team. They... Uh, in my opinion, are a better team with Micah setting and not hitting, but they don't have an option outside a hitter uh, that's better than Micah being the outside hitter. Um, they've def the numbers kind of show it. They've struggled down the stretch uh, without uh, Austin Maltatia at the outside. They're six and four in the last ten uh, matches, and. Um, yeah, to uh, compare them when they were uh, in the beginning of the season to where they are now are two different teams. So also then to kind of recap some of the highlights for UC Santa Barbara, strength of schedule is um, 11, so it's still relatively pretty good, not as good as number three. For, for UCLA. For, for UCLA, sorry, sorry, for UCLA correction. Not, not as good as UC Santa Barbara, but they're at number 11 right here. RPI number five right now. And then the thing also is, though, so, you know, I, you know, you look at this one category and, and don't want to belabor it, but you also look at what UCLA has been able to do. They're five and four against teams under consideration. So that's kind of the, the report on them as well as we kind of delve in. So um, jumping now to U, USC, um, Cindy, I'm kind of looking at their data sheet and everything with all the numbers and everything. You know, the thing that I'm seeing with them, better better strength to schedule than UCLA number seven. You know, you kind of look at their, what they've been able to do against the nationally ranked teams, as they're not nationally ranked, but the teams under consideration, it is a little better 
than what UC Santa Barbara has been able to do. They're sitting here at four and four, so not as good, but all the other data points, that's really the only thing that they have. So, I, you know, asking you, if you had to decide between USC and UCLA, who do you think would, would get the edge, knowing that they split their head-to-head -head series? Um, um, if you're, you know, I, I, I look at the um, UCLA men's basketball criteria, when you're looking at teams on the rise versus teams um, not on the rise, I like USC, and, and you know it kills me to say that, but I would I would take SC over UCLA at this point, just because um, the Bruins are just hurt, and yeah. they are they are you know they're putting together um, an amazing season considering what they have, uh, with Matatia being out. Um, Rattray's been there. I'm sorry, Rattray has uh, another transfer from Hawaii. Has been in and out of the lineup. I just don't know how healthy the Bruins are right now. And you shouldn't really consider where they're out healthy. Um, but um, I think SC is a stronger team at this point in the season. All right, um, Jonathan. I know that that they so Jonathan refused himself for the USC conversation. We'll bring Jonathan back now. So let's. Um, so let's kind of talk to them then. We're looking at UC Santa Barbara versus USC. So let's, um, what I'm going to do is just kind of talk about the comparison between the two, who has the edges in all the categories, and we can kind of debate who we think should get in. So looking at the RPI, UC Santa Barbara 4, USC 6, so Santa Barbara has the edge there. Strength of schedule, UC Santa Barbara 3, USC 7, Santa Barbara has the edge. Winning or win-loss, UC Santa Barbara 17-7, USC 16-9, so Santa Barbara has the edge. So three edges for Santa Barbara in the criteria categories. Didn't play this season. Man, I would have loved to have them play. That would have helped out the committee a little bit here. Non-conference record, UC Santa Barbara 13-3, USC 8-4, so edge to UC Santa Barbara. Home record, though, USC 11-0, that's an edge to them there. And then the road record, UC Santa Barbara, four and five, USC one and eight. That's not good. And then look at record against common opponents, though. And this is where, you know, for me, I'm looking at this, it kind of gets interesting. UC Santa Barbara, eight and seven, USC 12 and seven. So edge for USC there. And then we have record against teams under consideration. Once again, UC Santa Barbara two and seven, USC four and four. So those are kind of the edges. So kind of counting everything up here, we got. If you were to just say, hey, everything's neutral, we're not going to give one more weight to a category. UC Santa Barbara is at one, two, three, four, five, five, and it looks like. Uh, USC is at three. So with that and, and then and, I, and neither team has any serious injury concerns. Correct. Well. Correct. So so I guess my question here is I, I'll kind of talk or Jonathan, you know, kind of getting your sense and yeah, we're gonna break protocol here just a little bit for the sake of the, the podcast because at this point Jonathan would have to recuse himself as we enter this debate and it would just be down to Cindy and me making this decision. But for the sake of sake of the podcast, we'll have Jonathan stay on Jonathan. You know, I guess my question is, UC Santa Barbara has the, has the main criteria and a lot of stuff, but how much should we value what you did against the teams under consideration? 
I I would uh, highly value that, especially since these teams not have not played each other. Um, if they did play each other, then I think we would have less of a um, put less weight on that. Yeah. So, Cindy, I guess that's my question is, so UC Santa Barbara, they have the edge in a lot of stuff, but the kind of same thing is the fact that USD has more prominent wins. Does that elevate them more in the at-large bid race in your eyes? Um, you know, to be honest with you, having seen both teams, and unfortunately we saw SC very early, um, and we saw Santa Barbara last weekend. I really like the Gauchos. Um, and the other thing, too, is when we're, we're looking at, um, you know, away wins, you know, I wish we – we consider the neutral site wins. Yes. Because a lot of times people are going to neutral sites, and the only time it counts um, in away wins is when you play the host teams. So um, I would like I would like us to consider when you play neutral sites in a tournament. Um, but anyway. No, I, I, I agree. So if we were to actually combine those, because I have the numbers right here, so let's say we combine well, can, all Oh, go, I go would ahead, say John. That, John. I didn't want to cut you off. Sorry. Oh, sorry. It, the problem I have with considering uh, UC Santa Barbara's neutral site wins is that two two of them were at Long Beach when they were playing against Ohio State and uh, Penn State, who had to travel across the country, and they took a bus from UC Santa Barbara. That is not very neutral, in my opinion. Well, I agree. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Jonathan, I totally agree. But let's I agree. Let, let, let us bring in last year when Irvine supposedly had the um, uh, the edge over Hawaii when it came to um, those matches when, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Irvine could walk to Concordia. <laughs> and you know what? And, and because Irvine came to Hawaii last year, they're allowed to have more home matches. So yeah. let's I'm sorry. Not that this is no, 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 no. You're right. also, also, also let's, let's, let's talk about the absurd. Yeah, and just yeah, let's, let's talk about the absurdity of some of these numbers with the fact that you can walk there. USC flies four thousand miles to Nashville, and none of those I matches could, count. I'm sorry. Back in the day, I could have run there in less than. <laughs> I could have done a 10k under an hour. Come on. Uh, so, so I think that, that we're agreed. So, so I, I will say this: even if we were to take though, um, and it's a great point, the neutral site. So, if we were to look at all the neutral site matches, combine them all, USC would be five and nine neutral site in a way. UC Santa Barbara, double check here, they would be six and five. Yeah. So even if we combine them, so I think that even in that edge, you know, it helps obviously UC Santa Barbara. That's a great point. I'm not sure how much it does. So with that being said, I, I think we're kind of getting into a consensus here that, and correct me if I'm wrong here, that UC Santa Barbara should get the edge over USC. I like the Gauchos. Yeah, Gauchos. Jonathan, are, are you on board with the Gauchos? I'm not. I, I'm, and as we're getting to, or basically hinting at, we're not very enamored with either team. So we, <laughs> well, no, I, uh, I, I, I would disagree. I, I, here's the thing. I, I think, and this is the thing. 
we're talking about the best of the best. We're talking about who are the top 10% of teams, the top or 12% teams in the country. So, I mean, it is splitting hairs here, here a little bit. I mean, we are getting very nitpicky. I think that's important to think about. I think both these teams have had fantastic seasons. Okay, I mean, I might drop in on this. Yeah. Um, when you look at uh, what's happening with the Gauchos, um, their early losses uh, came in January. I mean, sorry, in February, where they were at Pepperdine, the lose three-two. Um, they are, I'm um, oh, sorry, home against Pepperdine three-two. They're at Pepperdine, lose three-one, and they are at UCLA, lose three-zero. Those are three consecutive matches where they go zero and three. And then they go to Long Beach State where they take the beach where I think, you know, things being a little bit different. They lose at the Pyramid in, uh, in 3-2. Um, I, I talked to Rick McLaughlin um, last week before he came out here, and he was saying, you know what, we were so close, and the pressure got to them. And then the next night, uh, and he was saying, you know, we've got a bunch of young players. They've only got two seniors on that team at, at the Gauchos. And then they go back up after losing 3-2 at uh, the Pyramid. They go back up to Goleta. And, you know, it goes four, but it was really close four. And um, I think, you know, and it goes 31-29, 29-31, and then, you know, then, and the, then the beach wins in four. Um, I just really like uh, where Santa Barbara is right now, because their losses have been quality losses. Right, I agree. And and Jonathan, what what would be your kind of um, argument for? So that's kind of the art pro UC Santa Barbara argument. What would be your USC argument? Um, where they're coming or the uh, how hot they are? USC's eight and two, CSUN six and four, CSUN. I mean, um, Santa Barbara's six and four, and um, they needed five games to beat CSUN at CSUN, and CSUN is not a a very good team right now. Um, they did be, uh, split the series with uh, UC Irvine, but uh, I saw them in person, and they're not a top-caliber team, whereas SC has defeated the likes of UCLA, Pepperdine, um, and obviously Long Beach State. So I, I like how hot they are right now. But Jonathan, Jonathan, let me throw you this, that um, losing at CSUN, and it, it, they end up 3-2, that's a difficult place to play. It's a funky arena. And, um, you know, I I just like the, I, I like the Gauchos. Yeah, well, and, and weird things happen in the Matadome. Daniel LaRusso defeated Johnny Lawrence in the championship in the 80s at the Matadome. Strange things happen there. Wow, that was a bad Karate Kid reference. Okay, uh, moving on. So, okay, all right. So, yeah, so so I'm looking at this. Uh, you know, I think I entered this conversation kind of – I was leaning towards USC, but I, I've kind of been a little persuaded here. I, I kind of – I got to go with the Gauchos. The, the more I look at it, and I totally get, like, the record against, you know, teams under consideration, I completely get but. You know, you kind of look at the whole body of work, better strength of schedule, a better strength of schedule and a better win-loss record than than USC. I think that, that says something. So, you know, we're going to kind of do – if we do a vote here, we're kind of down two to one. So, uh, so sorry, Jonathan. 
I didn't say I was voting for SC. I was I was just trying to give you the the oh, okay. the, the con. The con. No, I'm on board with Santa Barbara. I'm just trying to give you the the. Okay, I got you. I got you. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree, but Vinny, let's discuss what the NCLA committee will do. Yeah, um, absolutely. I want looking at uh, you know what they did last year when they screwed um, King, and King should have easily been hosting uh, a, a match instead yeah. they get off to Ohio State. And you know, and I think it's really sad when I talk to King, and they didn't realize they even got screwed because they were so happy to be in the tournament. <laughs> And then, and I think it's really sad that the NCAA doesn't recognize the fact that they were in the tournament. I completely agree with you on that. And they should, and yes, all, and let's just state this right I agree. All seven of these teams, they're in the NCAA tournament. They should get a banner, everything. They, they should be recognized. I And everything in the record books, all of that stuff, completely, completely agree with you. And that's actually talking about getting screwed. This now leads us to our next part of our discussion. Now that we have the seven teams picked, is we got to talk about seeding and figuring out who, what teams could get screwed there. So I think the first thing that we have to do is let's. Um, so with the way men's volleyball works, is the top two seeds are protected. Those two teams, they're guaranteed into the semifinals. There's no chance that they could have to play in the opening round or the playing match. So I think our job here is first to determine the top two seeds. Um, would anyone have any objections? We'll keep this quick. Uh, they were the two best teams all season, one combined loss between them, Hawaii, Long Beach State. Are we good? One, two? Yes. Yes. Um, I agree. And so all you have to do is go back to 96, where um, Hawaii hosted the uh, MPSF tournament here. And Hawaii was number one. They lost to UC Santa Barbara. UCLA ended up beating UCLA. UCLA in the championship, Santa Barbara's out, Hawaii goes as the number two seed. And and the Bruins host at home at Poly as the number one seed in in, in the NCAA. Right. I I agree with that. And so they so we got our one two, these two seeds are protected. So now the next thing we have to do is we have to talk about the remaining teams. So the way the men's volleyball once again works is it would be simple for there just to be three opening round matches, but that's not the case. Like with anything, the NCAA, it's not too simple. So there is a play-in match. The winner of that play-in match then goes to the opening round. There's two opening round matches. The winners of those opening round matches plays Hawaii and Long Beach State. Truthfully, no need to discuss seeding between one who's two because that's going to get resolved on the court in the next week or two. So, And I would also go as far to say as – even if one of those teams lost the rest of their matches, they're still going to be a top oh, yeah. seed. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I would completely ag- agree with that. And that would also be crazy, UC San Diego knocking off one of these two teams and making it to the uh, making it to the conference championship. You so. never like no, as we say. <laughs> you never know. You never like no. <laughs> so... So we're talking. So let's talk about the five teams that are remaining right now. We're gonna to have to figure out who gets the playing match, who and who's going into the opening round match. So I'm looking right now at Lewis, Barden, Princeton, Pepperdine, and UC Santa Barbara. So the biggest challenge I'm seeing right here, from the committee standpoint, looking at these teams, is 
Pepperdine and UC Santa Barbara are the two, probably the two top teams in this group. However, they're the only two teams that are 400 miles, that are within 400 miles of each other, which means that if we were to send as a committee, then say, hey, Princeton is going to play Barton, one of those two teams are gonna have to pay for them to fly on out, where if we schedule Pepperdine and UC Santa Barbara, if it's less than 400 miles, they're required to drive. The NCAA is only going to pick up the travel expense now. NCAA is going to As long as they're going to use the Stanford bus, I'm sure they're in good shape. <laughs> you know, so. I, and unfortunately, I have this issue that I would yeah. like to just have fairness. And, yeah. there, you know, and it reminded me of last year is that Harvard should have gone to King. And, Absolutely. You know, King should have been hosting. And it bothers yeah. me that, I, I'm sorry, I just, it bothers me that they won't um, treat men's volleyball better. Yeah. And so anyway, sorry. No, no, no I, I completely agree. So, so, so let's do this. Let's play this out under two, two scenarios here. Let's do the first one, which is, I think what we argue, what should happen, what would be fair, what would be justified to happen. And that would be, we don't care about geography. Let's see this as it typically would be. So looking at these two teams, I, I think that kind of going looking at these teams, I you know, who do we feel between Pepperdine, UC Santa Barbara, Lewis Barton, and Princeton would be the number three seed? Jonathan, I'll, I'll go to start off with you. I'm definitely going with Pepperdine. They have the head-to-head. Um, they won their own conference. They won their own tournament. Those are three things that UC Santa Barbara cannot claim, and they Cindy, have a better RPI. Yeah. Cindy, what do you think? Um, having seen both, um, I like Santa Barbara, but I agree with Jonathan. I think Pepperdine, uh, their body of work deserves a seed. Okay. I agree, and I, and I agree there. I, I think head-for-head, head, even though it's early in the season, it should mean something one when these teams are close. So I'm going, so we're going to play Pepperdine in as number three seed. So then the number four, I think you're kind of looking at here between UC Santa Barbara, Lewis, and Barton. I think those would be the four that, that you could make a, a strong debate on. Uh, you know, for me, I, I think Lewis poses maybe the best potential, but the thing that gets me once again, it kind of matters when you play head-to-head they went five, it was on the road, but Santa Barbara got the win. I kind of lean towards UC Santa Barbara just based off the data. They beat Lewis and everything. Uh, Cindy, what, what do you think? Um, I, you know, I totally agree with you, but so where are they, are they going to be shipping a team so, to Santa Barbara? Yeah, so, so let's, so, so we'll play, that's a great question. So, so let's play for, for this scenario. They would be the four. So if we say that Santa Barbara is going to be the four seed, they would then be playing in the opening round match. They wouldn't be in the playing match. This match would be taking place possibly that Tuesday at against whoever the supposed number five is um, at at Long Beach State. Um, okay. Well, that that makes sense. Um, yeah. I- I like that because, you know, I, I don't understand why they aren't playing the play-in match. They won't specify that the play-in match is at the host site. Yeah. So I, I, I agree. Yeah, and, and that's actually a really good point to, to clarify here. And, and, Cindy, thank you for bringing this up. We actually – so we're all kind of assuming that 
the opening round matches um, are going to be, the playing match is definitely going to be on campus at whatever site. The opening round matches, those two that are going to be played on that Tuesday, we're all kind of assuming they're going to be at Long Beach State, but the committee actually doesn't know. They don't make that decision until Selection Sunday. So right. so basically, if you're buying plane tickets out to Long Beach, you may be getting there Monday and have a lot of downtime until until Thursday when matches actually take place. So it's a it's quite a kerfuffle. So with that being said, though, we're, for, for this argument, though, let's assume that they're all um, going to be taking place um, at UC's at Long Beach State. So that kind well, of leads You know what, uh, Vinny, I hope so because I booked a trip already. <laughs> I, I'm coming in Monday night. So. I, I did, too. So I'm, I'm coming in Tuesday afternoon. So and I'll see you Tuesday somewhere. Yeah. Okay. So and then I, I have no problems. Yeah, Jonathan, you have, what, a short drive to Long Beach. 